welcome to Beware of Spoilers. I am Adam. I'm tired. And this would have gone up this morning, but I had to make a phone call this morning. So I was preoccupied, as the kids say, making a phone call that took my entire commute in. So here we are, Thursday evening, discussing the Book of Boba Fett. Now, everything that happens in this episode is completely a waste of time to cover. There, Of the four episodes, you probably could have done it in two. Um, if you were really working hard, you probably could have gotten it down to one. Because I don't think that... Like, here's the thing. There is a psychological question about Boba Fett that could be addressed in this show. Uh, an interesting psychological question, and that is, what happened to this man that made him give up bounty hunting? Um, and that show, the show is just not answering that question. It's it's not the question the show is setting out to answer. And I think that that's an important thing because it's like the last time we see Boba Fett before he goes and you know dies, um, he he's working for Jabba, but. What happened in the pit, and then going with the sand people, and watching the sand people die, and, and, and doing all of that, like, what was it about that experience specifically that was like, I'm not going to do, like, I guess broadly it's like, well, I died doing that, and I wasn't making as much money as I was just running the whole operation myself, but still, it's like, you know, it, that doesn't feel like enough, because I feel like Boba Fett almost dying in this case... This is not the first time he's almost died. Like, if it is, that is extremely generous in in explaining what's going on here. Because it's like, there is no way that this guy is so good at his job and and that he can avoid, you know, the the near-death experience of it all, being a bounty hunter, where it's like, come on. Like, we see that fucking Mando almost dies on, like, a weekly basis, but fucking Boba Fett can't. He can't avoid that. Him, him doing, like, you know, everything there, and, and yet he doesn't almost die, it, it feels like a, uh, a weird situation to put him into. Um, and it doesn't quite explain why is this the thing that... Why was this the event that made him turn and be like, no, I'm going to run things. I'm not going to be the one who's working. I'm going to be the one who's, you know, it, it is my world, and I will run Tatooine and the spice operations on Tatooine, um, and it's like, we don't get a motivation for that, there is no reason why that is, because it's like, even like him working with the, you know, him working with the, um, the Sand People and the the Tusken Raiders, that doesn't make it where it's like, that's not enough, I don't think him to give everything up and be like, this is what I'm doing now. I'm just, you know, putting down roots here on this shithole, which, by the way, despite being based on Arrakis, is not where the spice comes from. They're not harvesting spice. This is a conversation I have with someone at work. It's like, why Tatooine? Why is Tatooine the point where he's like, this is going to be my base of operations, and we're going to have this fucking civil war over this fucking planet? And it's like, who gives a fuck about Tatooine? Why should I give a fuck about Tatooine? There is nothing on Tatooine worth anything. 
that's the reason why they put Luke there uh, between episodes uh, at the end of episode three and into episode four. They put Luke there because no one's fucking going to Tatooine. It's not like Arrakis, where Arrakis is the the focal point of the galaxy because the only place you can get spice. It's it, it just doesn't make sense to me that Tatooine is the focal point of all of this bullshit. Where it's like, this is the one I want. I want this. It's like, okay, are you going to, you know, bootstrap yourself? And it's like, I'm going to start on Tatooine and then expand out. But it doesn't seem like he has aspirations to expand out his enterprises beyond just, this is my planet. This is where I'm going to operate. I'm going to run this, you know, little bit of operation on this planet. And and that's the end of it. And the thing is, too, like they're, they're playing up like, oh, the Pike Syndicate's coming. We've got to go for the Pike Syndicate. The Pike Syndicate is not who the Huts are afraid of. Because if that was the case, but, like, I, I just feel like it's, like, you know, I, I just don't get it. Um, I, I, like, I just don't understand what the point of that is. And then on top of it, they do this entire episode about what happened to Fennec Shand. And, you know, what happened there. And it's, like, I think that the entire story about that has been told. Like, I criticized Hawkeye for, like, pulling the taffy on the narrative and being like, we don't need to wait. We, we can spend time of, with them sitting in this, you know, in this room watching Christmas movies. It's fine. We can watch that. Like, here it's like, there's nothing more to see. Like, she was left for dead in the desert. Boba Fett finds her. And we knew that from the Mandalorian when his, when he, when he we see him ride up on her body, which sounds wrong. But, like, when he, when he like, finds her body at the end of the episode she appears in, in book one of the book of Boba and of the Mandalorian, or season one of the Mandalorian, um, we, we understand he is rescuing her. And then when she comes back, she has cybernetics. I don't need to see the process. And I think that this is part of the problem with the sequels, is this belief that we need to see every step of everything along the way for it to, to, you know, make sense. I don't need to see that she, like, I know she was left for dead. If I'm watching the book of Boba Fett, I watch the Mandalorian. I don't think there's any newcomers to the Book of Boba Fett who didn't already watch The Mandalorian, because if they're interested enough in Star Wars to watch a spin-off show about Boba fucking Fett, they're going to have seen The Mandalorian too. I'm sorry, I'm not... I don't think I'm breaking any new ground here about this. Um, so I don't need to see him finding and teaming up with Fennec Shand. I don't need to see him liberating his ship, because I know he liberated his ship, because he has his ship in Mandalorian Season 2. And then it just begs the question, why the fuck does he not leave until he... I mean, I guess he needs to get his armor back. And then it's like there's this whole question of how long is this all going on? Because it's five years between the the beginning of... like his The point where he uh, dies and falls into the Sarlacc pit. It is then five years later when the Mandalorian happens. Because the Mandalorian is five years after the, the, um, after Return of the Jedi. So, did he take five years to get out of the, you know, to get out of the, uh, the, the belly of the Sarlacc? Does he get out of the belly of the Sarlacc and then spend five years fucking around with the Tusken Raiders? There, there are so many things here about the timeline that don't make sense. And then it's like, you know, that, that's really my big point of contention is that was he in the Sarlacc for five years and got out? And then was like, oh, okay, so he's, you know, out now, and that's, you know, that's it. Or it's like, did he... It doesn't seem like it. 
it doesn't seem like he would be he, he was hanging around with the, with them for five years with the Tuscan Raiders for five years it really doesn't um and then like you know okay so he's got that he couldn't figure out and, and the whole thing where the oh we're gonna go to the Sarlacc pit and try and find his armor like that is a complete and utter waste of screen time a complete waste of screen time because here's the thing we, the audience, know what happened to his armor. If that scene didn't happen early on, I could forgive it. We know what happened to his armor because we know the, the uh, what's it called? The, um, we, we know that Timothy Oliphant has it in, uh, in the first episode of season two of uh, Mandalorian. We know that Timothy Oliphant has it, so we, we know that the armor wasn't just hanging out in the fucking Sarlacc pit. For um, for months on end, and, and and if we really want to get you know technical about it, we knew it because it, he uh, because of the book, um, because of um, uh, Chuck Wendig's um, what was the name of it? Aftermath. Like I don't understand. Like and, and then it's like the thing is, it's like oh we're gonna need help to do this, and then they start playing the Mandalorian theme, and I'm like okay, so Mando is showing up, like cool. I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. Um, and I still don't understand why he's not... Like, here's the thing. If we're at this point where he's like, I want revenge on Jabba for everything that happened, well, why was, like, Order 1 not, I'm gonna track down that motherfucker Han Solo, blow up his ship, fuck his wife in front of me, and then kill him? Like, why was that not Operation 1 if Boba Fett's on this big revenge tour? And that's what the show should have been. It should have been Boba Fett. He gets out of the pit, and he's like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And then if he did all of that, and then was like, and now I'm going to take over Jabba's operation. I'm going to shit on his grave. And, and it's like there, like, there was a better way to handle this, and it seemed like they're just taking the wrong choices at every possible opportunity. Every opportunity they're taking the wrong choice. And it's just boring to watch, where it's like, I don't need to see the surgery that saves Fennec Shan's life. I know what Fennec Shan... I know what happens because I've seen that she's alive in the present time. Like, the fact that she's alive in the present tells me that she's alive. And, and, and the fact that, you know, we, we know she's cybernetic, we, I, 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 I just don't understand. I, like, and, I, and it's one of those things where, like, I'm watching and I'm like, am I stupid? Where it's like, is this a thing that, like, I, I don't need to see all of this. All of these additional steps here are completely extra. And it's like, it's, it's purely to pad the runtime. There has not been a single thing revealed in the, you know, in, in the show that makes it, you know, easy to understand or, or like, you know, comprehensible or anything like that. Like, if I, if the thing was, what should happen is it should be self-contained in, in, a, in a perfect world. Whereas, like, if this is the story of Boba Fett and this is a spinoff about Boba Fett, what we should be at now is he needs an army to fight the, um, what's it called? He needs an army to fight off the Pike Syndicate? Tusken Raiders. Because that would justify seeing the, the Tusken Raiders as much as we did in the first three episodes. Like, I don't need, you know, Mando to show up. I don't need, like, any of that. Like, it's not helpful to anything. To, I just don't understand. I, 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 I'm watching this, and, I, I, and I'm like, I just don't understand how we got to this point where it's like, this is acceptable. 
like, I, I, I'm just kind of, it's not good. It's just meandering, and, and it's like, you know, I can take meandering if the point we're reaching is is entertaining. If, if we're going to meander and get to, you know, and, and get to the end, at least have the finish line be fun. But it's like, so what? So Kira shows up? That's where we're headed towards? That's going to be the big thing at the end of this? Is like, ooh, look, here's Kira. Like, I, I guess, like... And the thing is, too, it's like, I didn't hate the character in that. I, I really did not hate the character in, uh, in, in Solo. Solo is actually a very underrated movie, I think. But if there's someone you're going to bring in from Solo to this, it's not... I don't think Kira's the one that I'm, I would be I'm more interested in him facing off against. Like, I, because the thing is, it's like, here's, here's the thing. Kira is definitely going to be a big thing going forward. Because if they're going to, quote-unquote, marvelize Star Wars, I, I, I think that Kira is going to be a kind of a linchpin going forward, where it's like, you know, between her and Thrawn, it's going to be, she's going to be the thing that gets, that the, you know, the, the uh, like, the, um, the quote-unquote street level take care of, while Thrawn is kind of like, you know, the one the Galactic Heroes take care of, where it's like, it's two different, you know, power scales, to an extent, where in the same way that, like, you know, Kang the Conqueror is going to be this big thing that Marvel has to deal with, but also there's a bigger threat on, on the ground level of Marvel, where it's like, you got, you know, um, uh, what's her name, um, Madam Hydra, you got Kingpin, and there's all these other, you know, through lines down there, and I, I feel like there's a, you know, there's a world of difference between... having Kira be that, and then it's like, because you know what's going to happen, is that they're going to introduce Thrawn as the big galactic level threat in Ahsoka, and then Thrawn is going to be completely overshadowing her, where it's like, all people are going to want to care about is Thrawn, when's Thrawn showing up, what's this, because Thrawn will just crush the bounty hunters, but, you know, if you know your, uh, your, your legends, you know, he relied on the bounty hunters, he relied on the smugglers, he relied on all of that for his plans, so I think it all is kind of, you know, intertwined in a weird way, um, and I think that, you know, a good quote-unquote phase one villain would be, um, would be maybe Kira, and then Crimson Dawn falling to Thrawn would be a good, interesting thing to happen, uh, but I can't guarantee any of that, because I'm not in charge, um, it's just one of those things where like, I'm watching this and I'm like, you're subjecting me to this, at least make it interesting to the point where I could watch it and, and have it be fun and not feel like absolute, like like, it, it didn't feel like a chore to watch this, and it's like, I, I don't think there's anything from Disney Plus that has not felt like a chore since Loki, maybe? Like, I liked Loki. I did not like Hawkeye. Uh, Mandalorian was fine. Star Wars Visions was fine. I mean, What If wasn't great. But, like, I feel like this was the... This was the point where, you know, I, I feel like you're just kind of stringing it along. And, again, I come back to, if this was not Star Wars, if this was just, you know, Space Bounty Hunter, I don't think people would be watching this show. 
I really don't. I, I don't think that the show would be, you know, getting the viewership it is. I don't know what the viewership numbers are, but I don't think the show would be where it is now if it weren't for the IP tag to it. Uh, and I think that that's ultimately a problem that I have with the, you know, the IPization of, uh, of media. Um, and it's, you know, where it's like, because IP will sell, are we accepting a sub uh, substandard quality show because it's got a tag attached to it? Like, we have to, like, there is more effort that needs to go into a new show or a new movie if it doesn't have an IP tag to it because it needs to have a hook to get people to come in. And, it, it you know, quality is the easiest way to do that. Um, so, like, would this movie, uh, would this show be as well accepted if it wasn't Star Wars? Uh, like, I think The Mandalorian would have been because it's just Lone Wolf and Cub. Um, and I think that's a, a, a timeless story. I think, you know... Dances with Wolves is a, you know, like, I think Dances with Wolves is an easy, like, you know, like, it's divisive, and people aren't necessarily 100% in on Dances with Wolves, so, like, that's that's something where we can look at it and be like, okay, do we, is this something worth our time to watch? Like, is this, like, you know... Avatar had this cool effects going for it. This doesn't, and it's it's like, are we at a point where we're just accepting of of, of this because it's Star Wars? Uh, and like, well, a woman's not you know in charge of it, and a woman isn't you know the lead in it, so it's fine. It's like, well, no, because again, I say, if this was the Book of Fennec Shand, and, and everything that happens in the show with Boba Fett happens with Fennec Shand, it would not be well received. Um. If this was, you know, I don't know. I, I, I guess I feel like this show gets away with a lot, and I feel like that that's kind of a thing. Like I think that, like you know, Hawkeye for its faults would have still worked as a show without the Marvel label. I think that Falcon and Winter Soldier would have still worked without the Marvel label. I think that um, uh, WandaVision would have still worked without, I mean, maybe to a lesser extent because it is so dependent on the fact that one's an android and one's a witch. I think it would be hard to explain that in a, in a standard show, but I think it could still work without the Marvel label. I think that, you know, Mandalorian would have still worked. What if wouldn't have, but it's so contingent on everything else. And of course, Moon Knight, you know, the concept will work without the Marvel label. I don't think the Book of Boba Fett works without the Star Wars label. At the very minimum, I wouldn't have put up with it this long without the Star Wars label. I wouldn't still be watching it on a weekly basis. Um, like, Peacemaker works without the DC label. And I think that's the point I'm trying to make, is that we are accepting this because it's Star Wars, and because to an extent we're like, yeah, well, bad Star Wars is better than no Star Wars. Like, obviously I'd rather have good Star Wars, but if I can't have good Star Wars, I'd rather have bad Star Wars than no Star Wars, which has been my thing forever, but... Why can't we want good Star Wars? Why can't we want a show that works on its own without having to be a uh, uh, an ex like a like a, a, a tie-in this heavily where it's like you know it's it's this much of what this show is where it's like it's just shit. I, I just don't understand. Um, so we'll wrap up there for today. Uh, tomorrow we will have Peacemaker episode four. 
um, which I will watch tonight. Um, and then this weekend, I think I'm going to do The King's Daughter, not Redeeming Love, um, because I'm going to do Marry Me. I don't want to sit through two, you know, romance movies, and this one seems a little weird, so I think The King's Daughter is probably the safer bet, because that has a chance of being so horrifically bad, it's funny. Um, so, so yeah, so we'll wrap up there for today, uh, and until the next episode, have a great rest of your week.